Hello and welcome to episode 511 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Tuesday, April 25th, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us begin with the Tuesday prayer to the Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain a good death by St. Alphonsus Liguri. O Mary, how shall I die? Even now that I think of my sins and of that decisive moment on which my salvation or eternal damnation depends, of that moment in which I must expire and be judged, I tremble and am confounded. O my most sweet mother, my hopes are in the blood of Jesus Christ and in thy intercession. O comfortress of the afflicted, do not then abandon me. Cease not to console me in that moment of so great affliction. If I am now so tormented by remorse for sins committed, the uncertainty of pardon, the danger of relapse, and the rigor of divine justice, what will become of me then? Unless thou helpest me, I shall be lost. Ah, my lady, before death, obtain me great sorrow for my sins, thorough amendment, and fidelity to God during the remainder of my life. And when my last moment arrives, O Mary, my hope, help me in the great distress in which I shall then be. Encourage me that I may not despair at the sight of my sins, which the devil will place before me. Obtain that I may then invoke thee more frequently, so that I may expire with thy most sweet name and that of thy beloved son on my lips. Nay more, my lady, but forgive my boldness. Before I expire, do thou come thyself and comfort me with thy presence. Thou hast granted this favor to so many of thy devout servants. I also desire and hope it. I am a sinner, it is true. I do not deserve so great a favor, but I am thy servant, love thee, and have full confidence in thee. O Mary, I shall expect thee. Do not disappoint me of this consolation. At least if I am not worthy of so great a favor, do thou help me from heaven, that I may leave this life-loving God and thee to love thee eternally in paradise. May all the words that I speak be so many arrows dipped in the blood of thy sacred heart, O Jesus, to pierce the hearts of all who hear them with love for thee. Amen. Holy face of Jesus of the veil of Veronica. Dear Lord, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer these prayers in reparation for the sins which most offend God in our times, blasphemy, the profanation of Sunday and holy days, and communism. Pater noster, quias in celi, sanctificator nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panam nostrum quotidianum de nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitibus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libra nos amalo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et honor mortis nostrae. Amen. Gloria Patri, et Filio, et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in principio, et nunc et semper, et in secula seculorum. Amen. The Golden Arrow Prayer. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most mysterious, and unutterable name of God be praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and in the hells, by all God's creatures, and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. For the defeat of communists, Freemasons, and all revolutionary men, Eternal Father, I offer thee the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and all the instruments of his holy passion, that thou mayest put division in the camp of thy enemies. For as thy beloved Son hath said, 
a kingdom divided against itself shall fall. Eternal Father, we offer thee the holy face of Jesus, covered with blood, sweat, dust, and spittle, in reparation for the crimes of communists, blasphemers, and for the profaners of the holy name, and of the holy day of Sunday. Amen. God of goodness and Father of mercies, we beseech thee, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and by the intercession of the patriarchs and holy apostles, to look with compassion upon the remnant of Israel, so that they may come to a knowledge of our only Savior, Jesus Christ, and share in the precious graces of redemption. Amen. Today, friends, we're going to look at an article from 1 Peter 5 by Julian Kwasniewski entitled, John Sr., Prophet of Tradition and Realism. He's kind of a little-known character of 20th century Catholicism and a defender of tradition. I was very intrigued. I did not know much of him myself, so I was very intrigued with this article and wanted to share it with you. Begin here with a quote. Once I had embarked safe and sound on the ship of the church, I was dismayed to see it headed straight towards the shipwreck that I had just escaped, a worldly church and a world without the church on the edge of the abyss. Thus wrote the author and philosopher John Sr. shortly before his death in 1999. Although his work continues to inspire small pockets of Catholics today, Sr. is a prophetic figure who deserves to be far more widely known, both for his philosophy of liberal education and for his principled traditionalism. Early Life Born in Connecticut in 1923, John Sr. grew up in a cultured and multi-talented East Coast family, but with little organized religion. He was deeply interested in literature, poetry, and music, but was not an overly bookish boy. He loved swimming, bicycling, and anything related to cowboys. During the depression of the 1930s, the senior family fell on hard times. The financial strain, as well as dismay at seeing the encroaching urbanization of Long Island, where his family was living at the time, inspired 13-year-old John Sr. to run away from home and head west in search of his beloved cowboys. Boarding a Greyhound bus, John's money took him as far as the Dakotas, where he found manual work with a Norwegian immigrant named Tinzer. Tinzer eventually informed John's parents of his whereabouts, but the upshot of the escapade was that the seniors consented to John's, quote, going west every summer thereafter to work. Senior eventually did find work with real cowboys, which included everything from drinking coffee around the campfire to going on multi-week cattle drives. Academically, Senior was successful in high school. World War II interrupted his college education, but following honorable discharge from the military, he was never deployed, Senior enrolled at Columbia University, where he would eventually earn his doctorate. He focused on literature and philosophy, and came under the influential mentorship of the great liberal arts promoter, Mark Van Doren, who also profoundly affected the course of Thomas Merton's intellectual life. In 1945, Senior married Priscilla Woods, whom he had met during his first years of college before joining the army. Their union would be blessed with three children. From positivism to common sense. In an interview published in the French newspaper Le Neuf, towards the close of his life, the final interview, as it is titled in The Remnants, a posthumously published collection of Senior's writings, Senior succinctly explained many of the key elements in his life and thought. 
He described his intellectual journey as one from positivism and agnosticism to the Catholic Church. Dabbling in Eastern philosophy, Marx and Freud, Senior's encounter with such thinkers as Plato and Thomas Aquinas convinced him of the existence of truth and common sense and confronted him with traditional Western Christianity. This would eventually lead him and his wife, along with their children, into the church in 1960. The whole complexus of Western religion, culture, and thought with which his study of Christianity brought him into contact had a profound influence on his pedagogical goals as a professor at the English Department of Cornell University, which he joined in 1955. As a young professor and convert in the 1950s, I realized that the scholastic philosophical system, so effective in refuting the rational skepticism of my generation, had no impact on students whose minds were disconnected from tangible and emotional realities. At Cornell, Senior found himself in one of the top 10 American universities, led by an intellectual elite that had been perverted by existentialism and phenomenology. Thus, Senior took up a position at the University of Kansas, fleeing, as he put it, to the American West, where people's minds were not as corrupted. There, with two colleagues, Dennis Quinn and Frank Nellick, he founded the innovatively traditional program, which has since become inseparably linked to Senior's name, the IHP, the Integrated Humanities Program. Humanities and Christian Culture Seeing that modern students were out of touch with reality due to the technological and philosophically nonsensical age in which they lived, Senior tried to teach the perennial philosophy of the fact that reality is real by indirect means. Forcing myself to rectify our students' imaginations by teaching the poetry of Homer and Virgil, St. Augustine's Confessions, and other great works of the Western tradition. He believed that materialism, along with subjectivism, had divorced modern man so far from the reality of creation that the arguments of thinkers like Aristotle, Augustine, or Aquinas were initially ineffective in communicating truth since they were based on a completely different conception of reality and truth. The only way to make such authors accessible was to reconnect men with reality through experiential or poetic knowledge rather than purely intellectual knowledge. Texts like Homer's Iliad or Shakespeare's dramas, which were not so much discursive and logical as poetic and emotive, along with activities like dancing, classical and folk music, stargazing and calligraphy, had the potential to refresh and reform the students' imaginations by putting them in touch with the real. Consequently, Senior and his colleagues, Quinn and Nellick, incorporated such poetic activities as part of their humanities program. This fundamental and important concept of the real was central to Senior's low-tech educational method. Senior developed and expounded this diagnostic of modern anti-realism, along with a presentation of the remedies found in the traditional humanities in two famous books, The Death of Christian Culture and The Restoration of Christian Culture. There is something destructive, destructive of the human itself, in cutting us off from the earth, from whence we came, and the stars, the angels, and God himself to whom we go, Senior wrote in The Restoration. In the attempt to help students regain touch with the really real, 
Senior found that the experience of wonder was fundamental. For Senior, the mind had to be born in wonder if it was to be brought to wisdom, and this was only possible through experiencing God's creation raw. Poor little rich suburban children who have all these delights of modern conveniences and living in constant fluorescent glare have never seen the stars, which St. Thomas, following Aristotle and all the ancients, says are the first begetters of that primary experience of reality, formulated as the first of all principles in metaphysics, that something is. Senior saw the pre-Socratic Heraclitus as the forefather of the fundamental modernist, modernist error, that since everything is in flux, there is no such thing as river, no such thing as a thing, from the last epistle in the Remnants Collection. Not only did IHP boys get their hair cut, this was the 1970s after all, and girls start wearing skirts, but the students were also turning to Christ, Father Bethel writes in his excellent biography, John Sr. and the Restoration of Realism. The success of Sr.'s educational model was quickly verified by numerous converts to Catholicism among his students, even though he did not actively proselytize. This, and along with it, the fact that his students started becoming proponents of objective truth, brought the ire of the University of Kansas down upon the IHP. The university squashed the program in the mid-70s. Senior continued teaching his humanities courses until he retired from KU in 1984. His Spirituality Senior had a great love of the Benedictine monastic tradition, a number of his students in the IHP later entered monasteries. The IHP students used to visit Fongambal Abbey in France, for example, in order to enter into the round of chanted prayer, the axis around which Europe had turned for so many centuries. Everything that I have learned in literature and philosophy can be summed up by Ora at Labora, reading the rule during a retreat in a Benedictine house, before the council and its disasters, was a decisive element in my conversion, Senior wrote. Some of his students had a fundamental role in the foundation of Clear Creek Abbey in Oklahoma. The current superior of that monastery, Abbot Anderson, was a student of Senior's, as was Bishop James Conley of Lincoln, Nebraska, and Archbishop Paul Coakley of Oklahoma City. The Vatican II Controversy Senior was keenly aware of the crisis in the church following Vatican II and was highly critical of the direction the church had taken in its, quote, updating. A lover of the church's literary and artistic traditions, as well as of her rigorous theology and intellectual tradition, the widespread apostasy from beauty and truth in the post-conciliar church grieved Senior deeply. Given his path to the faith and his intellectual assessment of modernity, it is therefore unsurprising that he was a staunch supporter of the traditional Latin mass and found refuge with the Society of St. Pius X for many years. He is buried in St. Mary's, Kansas. The status of the SSPX, especially after the Episcopal consecrations in 1988, weighed on Sr. heavily. His view of their position changed over the years, gradually becoming more favorable towards them. His essay, The Glass Confessional in the Remnants, is a poignant expose of the soul-searching he undertook in trying to follow the path that seemed most, most faithful and obedient. Speaking in his final interview of the liturgical crisis of the church 
and the motu proprio Ecclesia Dei of John Paul II in particular, Senior stated in piercing and profound words that there is no new mass, only a multitude of deviations from the mass. It is true that in a pragmatic and imperfect world, we must be aware that we can still remain devoted to prayer. The one thing, the only thing necessary, unum necessarium, of which the primary act is the mass. The negative aspect of Ecclesia Dei is that it insinuates that permission is needed to exercise a right. What is called the Tridentine Mass is simply what Christ instituted on the cross. One cannot prefer the old Mass to the new one because there is no new Mass, but a multitude of deviations, some of which border on blasphemy. In the intuition that there is no need for permission to exercise a right to pray the Mass of the Ages, we hear an early echo of arguments in defense of the Latin Mass that would later find a more theologically complete articulation on the lips of Joseph Ratzinger and would return again in a worldwide chorus upon the release of the motu proprio Traditionis Costades in 2021. Senior seems to combine a unique blend of pessimism and hope, especially in regard to the church. In the final interview, he told Leneff, the crisis is over, we have lost. This is no longer just a prediction. It is a simple observation. Rome has been desecrated. We are in the age of darkness. Triumphalist reactions are in vain. But Senior did not despair. The fear of the Lord is not despair, he continued. Quite the contrary. Insofar as it is in the first degree of humility and the rule of St. Benedict, it is also our second reason to hope after Our Lady, Mother of Good Hope. In one sense, this dark outlook has been somewhat dis disproved by the exponential development of the traditionalist movement in the years after Senior's death. At the same time, the current pontificate and its renewed clampdown has more than confirmed it. Although I have only been able to briefly touch on Senior's insights in this article, his thought deserves consideration by all serious Catholics, especially as his predictions and insights prove to be ever more true and urgent as the world and the church continue to suffer from the cancer of modernism. In the coming months, I will be drawing on Senior and his followers to investigate various subjects in greater detail. As a prophet both of tradition and realism, Senior, in his own way, ought to have a place alongside the first generation of traditionalist heroes such as Malachi Martin, Michael Davies, and Father Brian Houghton. Julian Kwasniewski is a musician specializing in Renaissance lute and vocal music, an artist and graphic designer, as well as marketing consultant for several Catholic companies. His writings have appeared in National Catholic Register, Latin Mass Magazine, 1 Peter 5, and New Liturgical Movement. You can find some of his artwork on Etsy and his music on YouTube, and hyperlinks are given. I don't know for certain, but I assume that uh, Julian Kwasniewski is the son of Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. So John Sr. is an interesting character, friends, and as uh, Mr. Kwasniewski pointed out, he had a, a view that was at the same point pessimistic, maybe realistic, it, it could be said, but also hopeful. He understood the crisis in the church after Vatican II, that in the 1960s and 70s, it seemed like the modernists had won, but God has the last word. And this is the Our Lady of Fatima podcast, and 
as those of you who've been following the program through these several hundred episodes realize, I believe that the victory is going to come through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Our Lady of Fatima is going to have the last say here. She's always pointing souls to Jesus. She's always pointing souls to her son. Her whole life is directed toward the Lord. She says in the Magnificat, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. So pray that rosary every single day, friends. Pray, hope, and don't worry in the immortal words of St. Padre Pio because the victory is going to come through Our Lady. It's our duty to continue to be faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ and deepening our devotion to the Blessed Mother will do that. So let's return to tradition. Let's attend traditional Latin Mass. Let's attend Divine Liturgy. Let's read the old catechisms, the Catechism of the Council of Trent, the Baltimore Catechism, the Catechism of St. Pius X. Let's get back to the old evangelization, as Eric Sammons, the editor of Crisis Magazine, says, because the old evangelization worked. Pre-Vatican II Catholicism worked. I realize there are problems in every era, but our beautiful faith as it's been handed down through the centuries, we need to get back to it. We need to get back to the faith once delivered to the saints. Let's pray, friends, for help and for healing for our non-speaking friends and family members. As we once again mentioned, helping autism through learning and outreach, available on the web at halo-soma.org and also episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast in which I interview my wonderful niece and my wonderful sister about RPM, which is an acronym for Rapid Prompting Method, a system of communication for non-speakers, just as sign language was a revolutionary breakthrough in terms of being able to communicate for the deaf RPM, Rapid Prompting Method, has done the same for non-speakers. So let's get the word out there far and wide. Remember, communication is a human right. The act of consecration to St. Joseph by St. Bernardine of Siena. O my beloved St. Joseph, adopt me as thy child. Take charge of my salvation. Watch over me day and night. Preserve me from the occasions of sin. Obtain for me purity of body. Through thy intercession with Jesus, grant me a spirit of sacrifice, humility, self-denial, burning love for Jesus in the blessed sacrament, and a sweet and tender love for Mary, my mother. St. Joseph, be with me living, be with me dying, and obtain for me a favorable judgment from Jesus, my merciful Savior. Amen. And now we ask for St. Raphael's intercession as we pray. Almighty and eternal God, healer of those who trust in you, through the intercession of St. Raphael, Archangel, Hear my prayer for non-speakers and their families. In your tender mercy, restore them to spiritual and bodily health that they may give you thanks, praise your name, and proclaim your wondrous love to all. I ask this through Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Three Hail Marys in honor of the Immaculate Purity of Our Lady of Fatima. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. 
Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus, Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae, Amen. Gloria Patri, et Filio, et Spiritui Sancto, sicuderat in principio, et nunc et semper, et in saecula saeculorum, Amen. That Gloria Patri, for a very special intention. Sweetheart of Mary, be the salvation of Russia, Spain, Portugal, Europe, the United States of America, Canada, and the whole world. Virgo potens, ora pro nobis. Sancti Yosef, terra daimonem, ora pro nobis. Sancta Raphael Archangeli, ora pro nobis. In nomina Patris, et Fili, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 511 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. In your charity, please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. You can follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Fatima Podcast. Also, if you think this podcast is worthy of it, kindly give us a five-star rating and review at Apple Podcast or a positive review wherever you're listening to this. Most importantly, offer up prayers and sacrifices for the conversion of our Catholic bishops. Goodbye and God love you. <laughs>